And here we go, Hour 3. It is a great day for talk radio. It's the Monday edition, of course, uh, overnight. And it's tomorrow. Danny was just mentioning some snow. Uh, well, you know, we're uh, this is the dreary time of year, right? Not yet into the Christmas season. Because you can shut down December pretty much. It's, you know, Christmas parties here, there, and everywhere. And uh, there's just a more relaxed attitude. But right now, everybody's hunkering down and uh, ready to greet the new season and the arrival of snow. And that does present its problems here in the city, as we know, uh, when it does get to the cold snap uh, in the winter months. Folks on the street, uh, people who are without shelter, obviously this becomes of some consequence and concern. And uh, when we've got asylum seekers also coming into the city, as we know since 2017, as they've been making their way into the country, uh, they've had to be housed somewhere. At not insignificant cost, too, I should point out, I think the city's already asked uh the province or the feds for something like $64.5 million where, uh, you know, you have to clothe and feed the people as well. And uh, now we've got a story where uh, there's a hotel at 401, which is called the uh, Toronto Plaza Hotel, and it's been housing newly arrived refugees and the homeless from the Fred Victor mission. And so uh, the city is looking into purchasing the property. And the property is, a, I believe, uh, a distressed property. It's got some situation. Uh, it's 199 rooms, but about 35 have got mold. And uh, there are people, about 500 of these uh, homeless and asylum seekers who are living there right now. But the property uh, may be sold to somebody else. And if they scoop it, what do we do with those 500 some odd people? Our shelter system is bursting at the, uh, at the seams. So this is the conundrum, uh, whether the city steps up and purchases the property uh, out of receivership, if I got it right. Let's find out exactly what's in play here. Stephen Holliday is the deputy mayor and the counselor for Ward 3 at Tobacco Centre, and he's joined the Oakley Show at Global News Radio 640 Toronto. Stephen, how are you this afternoon? Oh, I'm doing great. Well, listen, help me out with this story then. Uh, we are at present, if I'm not mistaken putting up about 500 homeless people and asylum seekers in the Toronto Plaza Hotel? Yeah, we've got people in several hotels. Uh, I believe this is one of them. Uh, and that's because the the shelters that you think about every day are full. So the city's backup plan is we have these contracts with various organizations to put people into the overflow. And as we've talked about before in the show and in your lead-in, we're at one of those times with asylum seekers and a change in season where we've got an enormous stress on the shelter system and we are looking to those outside providers like hotels uh, to get a roof over people's heads. All right but right now uh, there is some talk or scuttlebutt that this is a hotel that might be on the market should the city pick it up for whatever the cost so that we can continue to operate as a de facto shelter. Yeah, I mean, that's the story that's been in the media. And I have to admit, I was surprised to hear it as well. Uh, I don't know all the comings and goings of what the real estate department does, but I don't ever recall a council discussion on this particular matter. So that signals to me that it may have been some some early looks at perhaps an opportunity coming up. And again, I'm looking at what the reports are saying, but it sounds like this hotel was, uh, was in a financial position. They were looking to sell. And I guess uh, some folks in the real estate arm of the government were trying to find out if it was a deal to buy. And I will add, there's more to the hotel than just the hotel. There's quite a large property. And uh, perhaps the thought was is that there may be use for it for many civic purposes, one being a shelter. 
All right, uh, but then the property's value is something that has been drawn into question, I guess, different appraisals. Uh, I think the individual who's got it right now, or it's been put into receivership, but the last owner uh, picked it up a few years back for $17.5 million. Uh, the market value now, according to the lawyer of the receiver, is something like $35 million. You think this is the business the city should be in? Yeah, I'm pretty cautious about uh, land transaction and, and in particular properties that are close to the intersection of a highway interchange. Uh, those lands are, uh, you know, around uh, a highway and aren't necessarily easy to use for a lot of different things. So I, you know, I look to the advice of the real estate people to figure out if this is a good buy or not a good buy. And the reports say in the media that uh, that there isn't a necessarily necessarily a deal going forward. And I guess I have to admit some of the condition assessments that were reported on in this, this hotel. I was thinking about that movie with Tom Hanks called The Money Pit. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> you know, I, wanna, I wonder if we need to, you know, if it's a good deal to buy a building that may be in condition that you've got to put a lot more money into it and whether or not that's a bargain. But, you know, it speaks to the fact that if we uh, were in this particular stage of looking at properties uh, near a highway, as you say, the 400 and the 401, the Toronto Plaza Hotel, as a potential shelter, we're obviously uh, up against the wall here. Uh, is the province or is the federal government at all coming, uh, stepping up to bail us out? I've seen nothing new in the last little while, and I would imagine once council resumes, we're going to be continuing to put the pressure on them. Uh, this problem spans far beyond the city of Toronto's borders, but as we know, being the economic center of Canada and uh, being the big, busy city, it's natural that anyone that comes into the country wants to come here, but that means that we're taking quite a burden on, on something that is at an international level or an international issue. The other thing is uh, that the people who might buy this may be reluctant to set it up or rent the space to the city for asylum seekers and the homeless. Uh, so that does put 500 people somewhere, doesn't it? It does. It's it's a possibility, but I don't think it's something that's going to happen overnight. Real estate transactions take time. And let's face it, uh, you know, it's a good contract to have with the city. Uh, you've got a stable demand of rooms that are being rented uh, on a long term. And uh, I, I have to think that there is some business model out there for someone that wants to carry on doing that. All right. My understanding is the city is renting the rooms at 50 bucks a night. It's a discounted rate plus food costs. And uh, because that's, again, part of our an extension of our shelter system. So 50 bucks a night is not exorbitant, but it also speaks to the issue that we're putting people up and uh, there's a cost affixed to this because they're flowing into the city. We'll leave it. We'll find out. Uh, I hope, uh, you know, we can, by way of a follow-up, uh, find out where we go with this. And uh, insofar as the other uh, levels of government stepping up and bailing us out, not that uh, we don't understand there's obviously only one taxpayer, so we're still paying for all of this. I did want to get around to one final thought on this pilot project that was implemented a year ago along King Street, uh, mandating that no cars, at least uh, you can only go a block and then you got to make the first exit to the right. Uh Businesses have complained, or some have specifically, but now we're hearing that, uh, according to the city's data at least, this pilot project is a raving success, and a lot of people would like to see it made permanent. How do you feel? 
while I don't agree with making that permanent, I never have. I was just down there last week, and it just seems to be the same old King Street as it always was, sands the cars. But, you know, the latest uh, press release that's been celebrated by many people, and I'll add there are many people out there that it doesn't matter what the data says, they'd be happy to take the cars off King Street, talks about King Street being busier in July and August with pedestrians and transit riders, and I would say I hope so. It's the middle of summer. Uh, you know, uh, they did say the sales are up, I don't know, uh, under a percent, but I guess so if it's prime tourist season and you're comparing it to the baseline, which was last November. So, you know, this data has been uh, put out by the city over the years and I, uh, or over the year, uh, every couple of months, and I invite people to look at the details in there because there are some pluses, but there's also some minuses. And I don't think this is a slam dunk in any way, and uh, it certainly doesn't help anyone that lives out in the West End where I am. Um, I heard it through the election. People liked King Street as a way to get into the city, and now that option is gone. All right. Uh, let's just then back out and uh, take it one item at a time. When you talked about the data in terms of sales, uh, the baseline was last November. Uh, I thought it was year over year, but you correct me if I'm wrong, because I understand that even then it was minuscule because, as you say, less than 1% growth in transactions or the amount uh, that restaurants and bars along that strip have experienced. That's, I guess, the Moneris people who have done their their data and uh, the crunch. And right. even then, you know, we're told sometimes that uh, if people are paying by cash, it doesn't get calibrated. This is all uh, done on credit card receipts and so on and so forth. But nonetheless, it's lower than uh, the surrounding area or other parts of the city have enjoyed in terms of uh, the same period that was judged uh by the same kinds of transactional records. So they're hurting actually on King Street relative to other parts of the city. Yeah, I believe it. Uh, remember, the Moneris data doesn't capture all of the different types of businesses. It's the ones they're using their services, which is only a percentage. And you're right. Uh, there, there are some stark differences between the overall average. But I would add, you know, again, a lot of these were bars and patios that had this opportunity to create extensions into the street. And I would have thought we would have seen a really big uptake in business over those summer patio months. And uh, I, I just don't see it in the city report in front of me. All right, but what about the commute times? This is the other thing that's being lauded. It's really uh, increased. In fact, I had somebody on earlier today. Uh, they're from the, let me get this straight, where the group was, because I think it was the uh, City Place Residents Association, Gary Peters, and he was telling me that the uh, commute times have uh, been decreased by 50%, And uh, which, again, you know, if it's uh, four minutes, suddenly it's, you know, two uh or, you know, or six, whatever the case may be. Right. Have the uh, commute times been speeded up significantly? Well, if you take the cars away, one would expect those streetcars to move through a little bit quicker, and they have. They've gone up by a few minutes. But remember, that's only in the small blocks that are in the pilot area. It doesn't take into account the overall length of the route. Uh, and I, if I, I mean, forgive me, I don't remember the entire length of the route, but it's upwards of an hour. So a few minutes on... A very long travel time is a savings, but the big political question is, is is a plus of that level worth the trade-off of removing it as an auto route and taking away that parking and uh, changing that street forever? Yeah, I think it's 2.6 kilometers if memory serves. 
Right, and then there's the overall length of King Street, right. uh, which is much, much longer. So we're talking about this little section in the middle, and, and naturally, yes, those cars are going to move faster. And, and that's during rush hour, don't forget as well, but we are on a 24 by 7 hour clock. I'm not sure if you're seeing those numbers uh, in the middle of the day or in the evening or on weekends. Do you know if parking revenues are down appreciably? I don't. It's uh, not in front of me uh, immediately. I do know there are less parking spaces, but possibly uh, things have balanced out with other parking lots that are nearby. But again, it's one of those psychological barriers that if you're fearful of trying to find a place to park your car, you might think twice about visiting the area. Stephen, what's your sense? Because uh, my spidey sense says this pilot project, it's gone a year now. It looks like the mayor has supported it. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong. And then you've got all these other, other advocates, including the local councillor, Joe Cressy, firmly behind it. Uh, a done deal. I mean, or could there be, not a, if not a reversal of this, but uh, some tweak to it? Like, for example, after 7 p.m., uh, free it up again for cars to enter that zone, you know, just off the uh, high commute hours. Would that be something that uh, you could promote? Even I could agree that there could be some tweaks done to King Street to improve it, but I certainly would like to see uh, a large tweak, such as opening it back up uh, on the non-peak hours, uh, to really help those businesses and to maintain it as a travel route. Uh, But you never know with this council, and my spidey sense is certainly tingling, because my guess is, uh, is that in the future we will see other streets where this is tried. But we'll wait and see what council proposes. All right. And the street furniture, by the way, uh, which was supposed to be kind of the trade-off, you're going to have a beautified uh, environment there. That's done very little to attract people, hasn't it? Yeah, it's not doing a whole lot for me tonight. I'm not sure I want to sit out on a patio uh, with a thick coat on. (laughs) Right. Or uh, something constructed out of milk cartons to look like it's urban art. I didn't get it either, but uh, there you go. All right. And so this is a fight that's not over yet. And uh, you believe there's still some wiggle room to maybe uh, tweak it, as we say, and uh, make some of these shopkeepers and bartenders and uh, stuff like that whole always hope and there's always hope for cooler heads to prevail and find ways to make it better are we talking about the same city council now (laughs) oh come now okay (laughs) always Uh, work (laughs) all right uh by the way how do you explain the mayor tory seems firmly behind the pilot and would like to see it permanent Hey, look, you know, the mayor uh, is an intelligent guy, and he reads the reports, and uh, there, there is quite a bit in there that uh, celebrates the victories, uh, and his lens is a little different than mine. And, you know, I'll go back to I'm a West End representative, and I heard it at the door during the election. There were people that lost this as their way to get into the city. Uh, they really like driving along King Street to visit the downtown. And, uh, you know, that weighs a lot heavier in, in how I balance these things out, but uh, everyone has their approach. And as long as they're taking time to read about it, um, you know, I I feel a lot better about the decision-making process. Great to talk, as always. Really appreciate your time, and we'll do it again real soon. Thank you. Okay. Stephen Holliday, Deputy Mayor, Councilor Ward 3 at Tobacco Center on this King Street pilot project. One year already. It seems like it's been five. I've just heard, you know, uh, it's not without warrant uh, that these... uh, People who got restaurants down there, I visited some of them, and uh, it did look like there were streetcars zipping by at like 8, 9 o'clock at night, three quarters empty, and when they say, and there was no vehicular traffic, it did look like there was, when it should have been a bustling hive of activity, and it wasn't. These are Saturday nights in the summer. So, I'll take that uh, as my first-hand account, my primary source, and I'm with Holiday in this one. I think there needs to be some tweaking done. I wouldn't say status quo going forward and make it permanent. 
That is my opinion. By the way, we've got a legal opinion uh, that was made earlier today between the NHL and over 100 retired hockey players who sued the league over their head injuries. Joe Newberger is going to join us at the bottom of the hour. Uh, He's our legal expert on that and the fact that the University of Toronto has put the kibosh on smoking of any kind, tobacco, cannabis, and vaping, won't be permitted on their three campuses as of uh, January 2019. How legal is that? Can they do that? And uh, where would you look for some kind of a reprieve if you wanted to have, you know, a quick toke, you know, a butt? People still want to do that, you know? I mean, these are now legal substances or even to vape, and they're going to not allow that? Zero tolerance? Uh, We'll find out what Mr. Newberger has to say at the bottom of the hour as the Oakley Show continues at Global News Radio 640 Toronto.